0: let's get to it girls. I'm Katie Tamke, and I'm Elaine Schmidt and And this this is
1: You're Moving Where. Where. (laughs) Today on the podcast we have our very first guest Erica Ellison and we're very excited to have her with us. Um, She is a fellow Midwestern lady living abroad. She is um out of London, so thanks for joining us today, Erica.
2: Yeah, of course. Very happy to be here.
0: Love Excellent. to have another person with the name starting with E. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: makes you feel have, safer. <laughs> yep, I have three names that start with E, so I'll bring in all the all the E's. Oh my god! Wait, what's your middle name? Elizabeth. Shout out the Queen. Stop! Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, poor woman has COVID. Just come yeah. out. Apparently, Her Majesty only has mild symptoms, so... Thank oh, good. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Okay. She's still
2: able to do minor duties, I hear,
0: which is important. Or else yes. I think the UK might fall apart. The nation will crumble, undoubtedly.
1: Yeah. Perfect. I don't like to think about her death um, because it's going to affect me emotionally more than I would like to admit after just watching The Crown and being very um, invested in her life, even though it's a fictionalized version. So... I'm just hoping that this passes and she never dies and that's all fine.
2: Yeah, I completely understand. I also loved the crown. I think that being in Europe or being in the UK specifically, if she were to die would be very interesting because it would be a big sort of like cultural shutdown, especially here in the UK.
1: Mm. Well, in the Netherlands, when they say the queen, they are talking about Elizabeth like they don't talk they don't ref it's not referencing the Dutch have their own royal family and they don't <laughs> when it's the queen it
0: is Queen Elizabeth of Lizzie. yeah
1: <laughs> I that, am
0: yeah influential the co-workers I work with at my school mostly studied in the UK for English and they all adore the queen and just revere her and a lot of people are really into like carrying British flag things which I know was a fashion thing for a while but is still very much prominent which I find funny because I don't know like if I just like started wearing American flags all the time I feel like it'd be a different vibe but I don't really know (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's fair (laughs) (laughs) all right ladies so Katie you are the queen of the schedule what are we talking about
1: So today um, on this week's episode, we are diving into getting adjusted and getting settled. Uh, So our last episode was about preparing before we left. um, And today we're going to be talking about kind of those first few weeks um, in your new place and how you got settled and uh, those types of things.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, first, Erica, why don't you give us a little overview about you know how you oh yeah came to move abroad? You know, r- important questions that Katie rudely forgot to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the real friend, Erica? I don't know. Um, yeah, but just give us a little bit of info about how you came to find yourself in Europe.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, in my undergraduate degree, I was lucky enough to study abroad, actually in the UK um, at Cambridge, and I really loved it. And I knew that. Um, post-undergraduate, I would really like to continue study. So after a year of work, it seemed like a good opportunity to go back into school, especially while student loans aren't accruing any interest. Right. Thanks, um, Biden. Yeah, so... <laughs> and master's degrees here in the UK are only one-year programs and significantly cheaper than that in the United States. Um, so London just seemed like sort of the place to be Uh, for both me and my boyfriend Hans. So applied to a number of schools, uh, decided that I wanted to study supply chain management, Um, ended up at Bayes Business School here in London, and I'm really liking it so far. Nice. That's awesome.
0: So are you going to solve all the COVID supply chain, like Chinese (laughs) shipments getting, you know, stopped?
2: I wouldn't go that far as um, if someone wants to pay me to solve those problems. Great. Right. Um, <laughs> you don't work on a volunteer basis? Um, not, not at this point in my life. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Solving all those problems would be great. I think the biggest challenge in global supply chain is obviously how it affects climate change and just For the sure. world. Um, so that's sort of like why this area of study is really important to me. Right. Um, yeah that's
1: that's awesome awesome. we're so excited to have you here today and we're excited to hear so you've been um living abroad longer than elaine or i um because you you went over in end of august beginning of
2: september right um yeah so we were supposed to leave at the beginning of september um our the uk because of brexit their visa process was really holed up because all of the eu students that didn't originally need visas Mm -hmm, needed to apply for them wow Um, so our visas came about like a month later than they should have so we didn't get to london until september 23rd or 24th the end of september oh yeah i remember that you guys got really delayed
0: Mm -hmm. that's about the same time i came i think i came on the 20th oh okay so, guys, <laughs> what did the first few weeks look like?
2: <laughs> so, yeah, I'll let Erica start. Um, when we got here, we had a pretty easy process. We had already signed our lease and had a place to stay, so that was nice to not have to worry about that. Um, our apartment, for the most part, was furnished, but our first few weeks did consist of many an hour <laughs> ride, to, ride to Ikea and back. Um, sometimes carrying really large plants on the bus or (laughs) random assemblies of furniture, somehow trying to walk ourselves all the way back to our apartment Um, and just trying to figure out our environment around us, you know, where the best place to get groceries are and our biggest inconvenience, I would say, in those first couple of weeks, was our washing machine was broken in our apartment. Ooh, oh gosh! And um, when we had to get it fixed, they were like, "Oh, they'll come in ten days." And we thought, "Oh, well, we can we can make it through ten days without laundry." And then they got there in ten days, and our washing machine actually needed to be replaced entirely. So then it was another ten days um, without laundry. So yeah that was definitely the biggest thing um and then getting to our schools from here is really easy so that was all really simple luckily
1: right that's good we were lucky enough to like have the same situation as you erica where like our we had already figured out our housing and stuff beforehand so we just showed up and our place was already partially furnished as well so we didn't have like a ton of um things we needed to figure out right away. We had to go and like get our bedding because we had a, like a mattress and a bed frame, but no pillows or like sheets and stuff. Um, so we got to really spend like the first few days just literally surviving, like trying to just, which sounds funny because it's not like we were in some really difficult situation that was like dire, but it really did kind of just be like every single day surviving like one step at a time.
0: I will say, though, I do feel like jet lag does make you feel like you're dying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I know people are very resilient and that a lot of people get over jet lag a lot. But when you've never done it in that, that specific way and you're including all the different emotions of like showing up somewhere, I feel like you, I personally have felt like I am dying from the inside out. Like I am falling apart right now. i <laughs> then you get sleep and you're like, OK, this isn't so bad. <laughs> I had the opposite
1: experience where i had almost like like you know when people um when they're like babies get trapped under cars and they have like an adrenaline rush and they're able to just like lift the cars up when we first got to our place i got there and my body was like okay you gotta keep moving you gotta keep going like i scrubbed the grout in the (laughs) shower like right after we got there i um, like wiped down everything and packed all of our stuff. I was just like, go, go, go. I have to stay awake. I like, I have all this energy. And I think it was just because it was like the adrenaline and the shock of making such a big change. And so my body was just like, that's oh, so exciting. you got to keep going. Um, and then the next few days, it was like a total crash, <laughs> like, yeah. em- like emotionally falling apart, physically so tired. Can't get my like, sleep schedule right. Right. Yeah. So I guess it was kind of like I was dying, but just in a different way.
0: <laughs> right. So each, each process things in different ways. Okay. Katie, just, do you find that generally you're somebody who in times of challenge overproduces? Yes. Okay. <laughs> My Where I is- have to keep going. <laughs> Yeah, my therapist talked to me about this, because she was saying that some people when they respond to stress or like negative emotions, they underproduce like as a coping mechanism. And she was like, Do you think that that's what you do? Or do you think you overproduce? And I was like, you know, the answer to this question, Christina. (laughs) (laughs) Really? So what did
1: you do your first day? Were you like overproducing? Like, what were you? how, How did that look when you got there?
0: So I was really lucky. Um, I did not. I, so I came to France without housing already figured out, which was the recommendation of our program. Oh, um, okay. And I was nervous about it and everyone was like, well, actually I wasn't that nervous about it, but everyone started making me nervous about it. Cause they were like, you're really moving to France with no housing. And how much French do you speak? I'm like, and they're like, <laughs> Oh God, yeah, like, what's <laughs> going to happen? So I was actually pretty at peace with it because when I'm given a piece of advice from somebody that's like no really like don't find housing and a lot of people had told me that they're like don't try and find it till you're there I was like okay well if everyone says it's the best way then I'm just gonna trust them so but luckily I have a friend who lives in Paris shout out to Camille uh she's a friend from college and she happens to be working there and she agreed to host me uh for the first few days of me being in Paris in France so I showed up And I was like, hey, you know, she wakes me up at the airport. We ended up having a super fun day. We did a ton of walking. She does a lot of travel internationally back and forth from her home uh, in Bolivia. So she was like, you know, just keep walking, keep drinking water. Let's get coffee. Um, But it was funny because I show up and we hadn't talked in a while because she'd been really busy and stuff. And she was like, yeah, so like, when are you going to head to Ren? Where's your apartment? And I was like, I haven't got one yet. And she was like. I cannot believe you but we spent the first um actually I ended up staying more than a weekend I stayed two weeks with her at the <laughs> beginning of the time here. <laughs> so Elaine you're like a house guest from my nightmares. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well it's funny because like i kept being like no really like i'll go get an airbnb it's no big deal and she's like no like i love having you here it's fun and like i'm happy i love having you here (laughs) no trouble at all yeah katie's uh midwestern (laughs) passive aggressive would have been coming out hard (laughs) (laughs) no but she was super generous to like let me stay at, um, at her house for so long, but she really helped me just kind of get acclimated because those first few days when I was feeling super fatigued and everything, she would like, we went to the grocery store together and she'd like, you know, do the necessary things and kind of gave me tips on like, oh, this is something I ran into when I was first here, blah, blah, blah. So that was super nice. She was kind of like my guide helping me through the first week or so. Um, but the housing situation was very difficult especially because um there's a lot of scams which is why they tell you not to find a housing till you're here and then um i was like calling people and they would be like bonjour and i'd be like bonjour you know blah 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 i'm looking for housing in french and they'd start speaking super quickly and then i'd be like oh est-ce que vous pouvez répéter s'il vous plaît like could you please repeat um a little more slowly and they'd be like if you do not speak french i am not going to work with you and hang up This happened like three times. (gasps) Oh my gosh. I would Um, cry after each one of those calls. (laughs) Well, and I can kind of understand it on some level. And it wasn't everyone. Some people were very nice that I spoke to in the housing situation, like in Rennes, because it's so close to Paris. There's a lot of people telecommuting from here, a lot of students. So it's just like a fast housing market. So some people were super nice and were like, we just don't have housing. I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. But I did experience some people who were just like, I don't have time for you um So luckily, I ended up finding housing with a wonderful 45-year-old Frenchwoman. Actually, I don't know her age. Dane, could you fact check that?
3: <laughs> yeah, do you have her French uh, social security number? I'll
0: say <laughs> I don't. But a story for another time is that I have her first name on my debit card, Sandrine Schmidt. So
1: I can't wait. We're gonna do an episode on banking. Uh, Elaine documented her
0: misadventures with <laughs> banking on our Instagram it's still going on <laughs> it is still going on oh. and I got an email recently from one of the bankers who like I kind of charmed him into doing something I needed him to do for me <laughs> uh, Elaine Not what did like, you do it wasn't flirtatious it was just like I like made my French even worse than it usually is intentionally and I was like excuse <laughs> excuse me monsieur que tu peux blah like really slowly and then he was like oh you're the American who has all the bank problems aren't you like I'm known there now <laughs> <laughs> so he helped me um and he sent me an email with a smiley face and I was like oh god did I
1: <laughs> Elaine <laughs> I
0: know French boyfriend alert is he cute <laughs> um Max and I already talked about this I feel very secure in my relationship and I don't I feel nervous to go back to the bank, though, to be completely honest. But that's a story for another time. I'm like, how am I going to navigate this smiley face bank man? (laughs) We can't wait to hear how it all turns out. We'll find out soon because I do have to go back in. I have more bank (laughs) (laughs) problems. How did you find a place with
1: no, um, well, I guess you were able to probably find a place just using like your American bank information or did you have to like get bank stuff figured out before?
0: No, oh my gosh. So this is one of the classic things that everyone complains about with coming and doing this program. And I'm assuming just moving to France generally, but it's like, there's all of these, you have to have a bank to apply for a rent, you know, a lease agreement But you have to have an address to apply for mm-hmm. a bank, you know, things like that. So um, I luckily was just renting a, am renting a room from, uh, my roommate, uh, Sandrine. And so it was easier that way. We didn't sign, we signed like an agreement, but it, it wasn't like a legal binding thing. It's more like a piece of paper where she said, I am going to host you until this date. And we both signed it. <laughs>
1: hey, that could be legally binding. <laughs> I sure. Don't know yeah.
0: Are. <laughs> but it wasn't like super, she didn't like check my passport and like my last pay stubs and things. So I very much lucked out in that way, but other people were having lots of issues with that.
1: Well, that's the same thing for the Netherlands, where um, a lot of times you need to have like a Dutch bank account and like proof of a Dutch like um, money in a Dutch bank account if you don't have like a Dutch income to show um, that you can afford the like duration of the rent or whatever. Right. Um, But you need a Dutch address to get um it's called registration uh you have to like register within um the place where you live and then you get a bsn which is like a dutch social security number and you need a bsn a lot of the times to rent someplace and it's like okay well i can't like start i can't get the bsn without an address but then i can't get someone to agree to rent to me without a bsn um so we ended up doing um getting our place off of a a website called housing anywhere which i don't know if i would like recommend it to people but it's working for us um i would say that like some people have had like really bad experiences with it it's been all right for for us so far it was literally like our only option
2: yeah
1: um so yeah that's like a a problem that a lot of people face when moving here too if you're not doing student housing. So like if we were, if Dane was just coming by himself, he would have just done student housing at um, at Vachanaga.
0: Right. Yeah, we were recommended like six or seven websites that we could use. One of them, the equivalent of Craigslist um, in France, Mm -hmm. and then other websites. And I literally called every single housing place like offer and ran into so many scams. And then finally the last one, which was called Room La La, Um, which all the French people that I talked to are like what is Room Lala like I've never heard of it Um, Sandrine had just posted like an hour before the listing and it was just a picture of like an anime girl looking over her shoulder and it was like a poster and she's like very sultry and I was like okay I don't know what I'm getting myself into. (laughs) Elaine like about to get trafficked into some anime sex ring (laughs) oh I don't even know I was like really nervous and when I came and when I met up with her to like see the apartment because I was like super desperate at this point and there was only (laughs) one photo yeah (laughs) but there was only one photo which looking back was just because she like has no problem getting roommates and she always gets lots of people who inquire because of the nature of the housing market here so she like probably was like well yeah it doesn't matter if I like have really accurate photos I'll come show them the apartment if they like it whatever okay you know if I like you we can do this um but anyway she like came and found me and my French was like obviously super bad at the time so she was like you know, what do you, you know, asking me questions in French and I wasn't understanding. And she's like, I've, she works with young kids. So she would like use hand motions and things like take (laughs) her hand to her mouth and be like, yes, do you need food? (laughs) She'd be like, do you need sleep? And like make the motions that she makes with her children in the, crèche um that she works at (laughs) but she's so wonderful and it ended up it's ended up being such a wonderful situation but at first I was like oh god like what is gonna happen (laughs) And
1: you lucked out with your housing because you have a beautiful um, piece of art that you get to live with every day. Do you want to show Erica um, oh, yeah. what's Did behind you...
0: you? Yeah, I don't know if our listeners will find it as interesting because they can't oh, see
2: my. <laughs> Okay, I was sort of wondering the whole time what was going on <laughs> on the wall behind you. But, so, uh, our listeners <laughs> are all super
0: curious, especially um, given the description of like the anime Soul Tree Girl. Um, <laughs> so it's... It's a giant, like, probably seven-foot banner across the wall that is a mural of three anime fairy characters that (laughs) are all very beautiful and have long, long hair. And they're doing different things um, and looking gorgeous. But it's incomplete. But when I was gone for the last two weeks on vacation, my roommate's daughter, who used to live in this room... Before I came here, obviously, um, now she doesn't live in the apartment anymore because she's 18 and is off doing other things, but she came in and worked on it. So we're we're seeing progress and it's really gorgeous. Um, it's not exactly what I would have chosen to decorate the walls, but I came mm-hmm. in and one of the only things I understood from the whole visit of the apartment was Sandrine had said, this stays. <laughs> I was like,
2: okay, <laughs> got it. It's here.
0: So it's kind of like symbolic (laughs) of my experience here. I don't know. Elaine, do you have to pay extra to be living in an art gallery like that? You know, we, I like bargained my way down. I was like, (laughs) please, (laughs) I can't afford that. (laughs) Uh, So for you guys, um, what were some of the highs and the lows from the first weeks abroad, either like emotionally or just like practical things? What were some of the
2: roses and thorns?
1: erica obviously with her with
2: her washing machine (laughs) yeah yeah that was a real thorn for sure um but i i would say one of the highs for me was not having to worry about a car anymore or parking Mm. or any of that sort of nonsense anymore getting around london is so easy so i was just like pretty enamored with the public transportation system and how easy it is to just walk and get places with the exception of getting groceries Mm. um walking and carrying those obviously is not is not my favorite necessarily just a lot to carry um
0: but erica do you not have one of those granny cart things that you pull
2: behind you yet nope um i don't i have a really big backpack
1: oh okay wow just and if, if it doesn't fit in the backpack
2: it doesn't come home with you I guess if it doesn't fit in the backpack Hans carries it this oh, is, okay. <laughs> uh,
0: I was gonna say is this like a Dave Ramsey like budgeting scheme <laughs> <In> the backpack <laughs> only what we can carry yeah. yeah it's just it's like also biblical in a way yeah yes, we have exactly. started like
2: going through the <laughs> grocery store with two baskets instead of a cart because then we know for sure that we have a carryable amount of things. That was
1: my strategy when I lived in Washington, D.C. I had um, a little like cart that I was able to strap on the back of my bike that I had constructed out of the headboard of my Ikea bed that I bought secondhand. I hated the headboard and I sawed it off and then I made like a little basket to put on the back of my bike Ooh. and I built it so that it fit exactly two trader joe's bags. So when I went shopping I was like I can only buy as much as it fits into two of these bags. But now we live um just around the corner from the grocery store and it's very convenient but it also tricks me into thinking I don't need to bring something to transport my groceries home with me so sometimes I'll be leaving the grocery store with like trying to juggle all of these things in my arms because I'm walking around I'm like oh we actually do need bananas or more yogurt and then it just starts to pile up and when it's time to go it's like do I pay the extra 50 cents or whatever it is to get the plastic bag Uh, or can I just make it the like 300 feet from my door from the grocery store to my front door.
0: But do you guys know what I'm talking about the granny bags? That oh yeah. Hold? Okay. Oh I'm yeah. I'm just
1: Yes, the carts. People yeah. here use them too. I haven't seen them as often as I've seen them in other places though, okay. I would say. I think certain. grocery stores are so much closer. Yeah. There's so many grocery stores here. Like I've never been around. So there are, the brand of grocery store that everyone uses here is Albert Hein. Um and it is everywhere like are three within walking distance of my apartment
0: okay Ooh, a lot.
1: we also i'm so excited i want we need to stop talking about groceries because groceries is going to be one of our next episodes and i love grocery stores so much and i cannot wait to really deep dive into how grocery stores are different here than in
2: other places oh my gosh are your eggs out of the refrigerator too
1: I don't know you'll have to listen and see
2: Ooh, yeah <laughs> we love the suspense a little bit of anticipation
1: <laughs> Elaine what did you what were like some of your highs and lows other than the bank
0: <laughs> yeah I mean there were several lows but honestly I feel really grateful for the perspective that I was able to start the time with of like when even when Lowe's came about, I was just like, all right, resilience building, Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. When you fall down, you get back up and you're stronger. So of course that wasn't the whole time. Like I did find myself in a puddle of tears at some point in BNP mm-hmm. Parabus, um, the bank. But for the most part, I was really lucky in that I had my friend Camila here. Um, my roommate Sandrine was super helpful, my um mentor teacher that I work with and report to other coworkers. Um So I really lucked out that like, truly, I didn't feel like I hit a real low, even when it was a low of like crying in the bank, it was more just like, I'm really overwhelmed in this moment. But then I walk out and I'm like, the sun is shining, the tank is clean. Um, Whereas when I had studied abroad in Spain, I feel like I had a lot more really low lows. Mm -hmm. But looking back, I see the like things, the ways I grew from them. Um, So I think it was a mixture of like, not too much going super wrong and being, you know, having safety nets with my friend Camila and other things that I don't really feel like I had a super low, low, um, but, and have had lows since, but not like in the first few weeks. Um, mm-hmm. but highs definitely were meeting Sandrine. And because I, I dreamed when I came here, I didn't want to like tell everyone this because I thought people would think I was weird, but I really wanted to find, like an 80-year-old couple who has nothing to do but like telling stories about like old times and talking and cooking French food. It was kind of my like dream to end up in a housing situation where I'm living with old people like that Mm
2: -hmm. because
0: I had friends who had really old people um, as host parents for other experiences. So I was kind of looking for that. And Sandrine is definitely not an 80-year-old. She goes out like living her life definitely not 80 hanging out in the house all the time but a big high was like finding her because she's so wonderful and also I can practice French with her and Hmm. so it just turned out into this like really secure situation um and then yeah I guess another high is just like the school that I work at is amazing the students are wonderful my coworkers are super nice um and people were really excited to meet me whereas I thought people would be like oh like your accent is ugly because you're an American and you sound dumb. But people (laughs) love American accents, apparently. Um, And just other things where I was nervous that people would be like, oh, you're an American. You must be not aware of geography and, you know, all the cliches. Mm -hmm. But people were like so thrilled to have me and it made me feel really special. Um, (laughs) So I feel like I super lucked out. There are a lot of people who... In the same program I'm in, in different placements had totally different experiences. But I think I just somehow like landed in this like very wonderful place at the right time. If that makes sense,
1: it it totally makes sense. I when you described like your dream that you said was embarrassed, like that you said quote unquote was embarrassing, living with an old couple. That is the ideal. I know because I feel like I'm an old person and how I like to live, which is like going to bed early, mm-hmm. having quiet mornings, mm-hmm. like just like making like food, just like hanging out being, you know, slow life, going to the grocery store is like the big event for the day, just like visiting. Right. And Dane, his friend. So when Dane studied abroad, he had like host families in Spain too. And he, his host family was not I, I don't know like if it was it wasn't like bad or good. It wasn't good. But his friends, he had two buddies who were on the football team with him. They were two big boys. Like they were uh, corn fed,
0: yeah, thick boys. Corn fed cowbread.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Minnesota football players and they were placed with this little old spanish grandmother. Oh. <laughs> and she would wake up every morning and bake them bread. Oh <laughs> like God. fresh bread every morning for their sandwiches and like they'd come to school with this like beautiful smorgasbord of like food and she just loved Baking and cooking for them, and they just loved eating. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> the ideal pairing, so cute. I saw the picture of them, and there's like it's two huge boys
0: with this little old. Oh woman. I love that. I the person who I think quite comes to mind with when I was like envisioning this future with old people in France was um, Colin, one of my friends from abroad who lived with this old man named Luis, um, <laughs> and he would like go and his only activities for the day were getting up putting on his suit like he'd wear like a three-piece suit every day (laughs) he would walk to the store with his cane in the old streets of historic Toledo which are like super uneven and like big hills all over the place so he'd like hobble to the bread store get himself a loaf of bread and get the the paja paja, oh my gosh I'm saying it in French pajaros like the birds that come Mm -hmm. to his little like courtyard (laughs) thing of bread and he'd go and every day he'd like give bread to the little birds and that was like their activity and their bonding so um it was like the cutest thing ever and I went over one time and just like fell in love with this old man and like maybe just like the idea of him but (laughs) not falling in love with him but like this concept of like every day feeding these birds and like the three piece (laughs) suit and the walking to the bread store like this was his ritual so cute loved it i just was like i'm enamored with this so sandrine doesn't do that but we have a lot of fun together so that's okay (laughs) but
1: you got close enough you manifested
0: it and it didn't come completely true like you
1: thought but you got you got close Last story and then we can move on from connecting with old people. But <laughs> when I was studying
2: abroad. When I was studying
1: abroad in Norway. Um like our study abroad group, uh there's like a, a a voluntary trip if you wanted to pay for it to go to Bergen. Um and so we went or I went and I didn't have um like any of like my close friends I was stud- that were studying with me come with so I had to make friends on the trip and there's this old man probably early 70s who was doing the summer school with us trying to learn Norwegian because his daughter had moved to Norway to get married and he mm. wanted to come over too so he was learning Norwegian so that when he came over he could like integrate <laughs> and oh, so wow. immediately I was like friend and- <laughs> <laughs> and we started hanging out. And so then by the end of the trip, we had this other like guy who also um, tagged along Carlos. and He was really nice, but um, he was my age. And so when the group would like go out on, on activities and stuff, it, we would somehow just be us three. And <laughs> we were walking around here, and the older man, John, was like, you know, I'm just so glad that everybody's kind of found their rhythm and everyone's found their group. Like us three were best friends, obviously. <laughs> That is amazing. I was just like, I was so honored. I was like, yes, John, we are. Thank you. I'm Aww. so
0: happy. <laughs> I realized that I'm like usually I'm a very extroverted person and I love making new friends. Um and but I sometimes get nervous when I want to, like, name a friendship, which it's not like I have some need to be like, oh, this friendship is a friendship and we are this kind of friends. But I always get nervous to, like, call someone a friend because I'm like, well, what if they don't feel the same way? So whenever (laughs) someone claims me and they're like, yeah, we're the three amigos, I'm like, oh, yes, I love this. (laughs) Elaine, have you ever had an
1: experience where you're like, this is my friend? And the person is like, whoa, 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 slow down. We are yes. acquaintances at best. No, I for right, sure That's have. actually happened to
0: you. Yes. <laughs> I think I go in fast. I've in the past, I've gone in fast and hard, and it like freaks people out a little bit. So, um, there was this one person who um, actually, I think it's more just things like this. Like, I'll try and make a joke. Like, in, for example, here in France, I was, I always spend time in the teacher's lounge, and there's this one guy who's like kind of quiet, very nice, and he always does the crosswords. He does crosswords like every day in the teacher's lounge. He's always crosswording. And one time I was at the canteen, the school, like lunch place where all the teachers eat. And I was sitting down and he came and joined the table. And I was trying to join him into the conversation. So I said to one of the teachers, do you know that you're speaking to the king of the crossword? In French. And but like, who knows, maybe I said it wrong or just like the pronunciation didn't make sense. And everyone just like stared at me. And he like it. I read it as being like. He doesn't want to be friends. Like I just tried to like make this kind of gesture of like I know you, King of the Crossword, you know, <laughs> and he, it was completely like it fell on deaf ears. And it's not just things in France, like it's things in the U.S. like that, where I kind of try to have like break through the wall of being acquaintances and have some kind of like, uh, like elbow. What is what would you even call this like name? like chummy? You're like, yeah, like a chummy moment where you like poke him with your elbow and you're like, yeah, I noticed something <laughs> about you. And people are kind of like, don't though. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, but
1: if uh, those people sound like they suck, agreed. <laughs> if someone tries to be chummy with me, unless I don't like them for other reasons, like I think they're a bad
0: person, right? Just come on, like yeah, be, be a buddy, chummy. right? For sure. I think I realized looking back with um King of Chess man, it probably was you my mean friend... crossword. He oh, yes, probably sorry. said chess, and he was like, "I've never played a game of chess in my life." Yeah, the thing is, I don't know the word for chess in the French, so there's absolutely no way. Um. <laughs> But I think at the end of the day, he's maybe just, like, shy is what I'm reading into. And maybe Mm -hmm. that's other people, too, who, like, turn down my little chummy moments. But anyway.
1: Well, Elaine, your chummy moments are safe here with me. It's probably why we became friends quickly, because I think I do the same thing. Yes,
0: Chum it up. Kitty, did you already tell us your highs and lows? No. Oh, my gosh. Don't you remember? Well, we've... I really only like listen to my own voice when we do these. <laughs> 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 no, so okay. tell, us your, tell us your highs and lows.
1: Okay. Um, I'll start with the low so we can end on the high. I think okay. that's what you guys said too. Um, I think just like the lows were probably Elaine and I, we've talked about this like off the podcast too, where like I don't have a typical job here right now so I don't have like a nine to five 40 hours a week where I have that structure Um, I'm starting my own business as a part of my visa and um, it requires you to like do a lot of independent work which is fine like I like doing that but it also means that like sometimes the day it's like hard to put a pin in like what was the most productive part of the day or like how did I contribute to society or like what did I do that was um quote-unquote like super productive i don't know so that has been like a big struggle for me um actually like i think i didn't realize how much it was affecting me until i went out to a like a comedy open mic night with some girls i'd met um and it was a bunch of girls and so all of the comedians were kind of like making jokes about how it's like oh there's a bachelorette here like a bachelorette party or whatever like no we're expats blah 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 and he started asking us like where are you all from and we like started responding and he asked me, he was like, so, or, or he asked the group, did any of you follow your husbands here? I was like, oh yeah, I did. And he's like, so what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm self-employed. And he was like, oh, that's adorable. You're self-employed. And I was like, uh-huh. interesting adjective choice. <laughs> and so then, and like, it was obviously all in good fun, whatever. Um, but I like sat there for a moment and I was like, what? Am I even doing here? Like Mm -hmm. it really like immediately the vibe within me shifted where I was like, Am I an idiot? Like, am I actually gonna be able to do this? Like, obviously, Mm. the guy was not trying to be like, you don't deserve to be here. But in that moment, I was like, Oh no. So then I came home and it really got me in a funk for like a good few days where I was just thinking, I like have no direction. I don't know what I'm doing, all this stuff. Right. And that crescendoed when i decided whenever i have like um like moments where i feel like mentally not very good i try to get out of it by doing exercise like endorphins this is not like a revolutionary concept but i just remember sitting on the ground crying and being like i have to at least just like start like i just have to start and just do it and so for the first like 30 minutes of my workout if you did not re- like outside of my window watching me you would either be like cracking up or seriously concerned where I was like just doing squats, just like so- Oh <laughs> my gosh. Katie. Sweet
0: just like Katie. doing like my little like exercises, like my jumping jack, just being
2: like, I can't do that. Oh. And yeah. then
0: like
1: halfway through the workout, it started to work where like my body started to be like, You're okay, you're doing a good job. Yes. Right. <laughs> so then I did feel better afterwards but like those were definitely kind of like the lowest points where now I'm starting to definitely feel better about um, like the direction things are going. I'm getting closer to getting my visa done and all of that. But right. so that was probably like the lowest points and just being stressed about getting things settled and um, the apartment right. as well too.
0: Well, in and- With those moments, Katie, you're so brave. Let's take a moment and just acknowledge (laughs) that Katie's very brave for starting her own business uh, and moving to the Netherlands because it takes a lot of guts to be able to do that. My program has its ups and downs, but I have work twelve hours a week, uh, which is not a lot, but I get enough payment to live on. And Mm -hmm. you know, I think you are super brave for doing this and for going through that level of uncertainty. I remember my one of my aunts who I really admire had told me that one of the worst years of her life, like the hardest was, the, were the years where things were very uncertain and mm-hmm. very vague. So, you know, you have some certainties going on in your life. You do have a husband. That's nice. You have, a <laughs> you know, great career path that you've already like forged and are just continuing to take your next steps. But whenever you are in a period of uncertainty and you're like, okay, I know I'm moving forward into something, but what is it going to look like? It's super scary. And especially yeah. in a new country, with all the changes that you were going through um, in so many ways. So props to you. you. Thanks for saying
1: that. I think that it's like, I almost, which I need to stop doing. I almost put this qualifier on it's only brave or it's only good. If I end up being successful Mm. where Mm. it's like, this is only like an admirable thing to have done. If it works out where if it doesn't, I'll just be thinking like, I never should have done this. This is a risk, all this stuff. Um, So We'll see how it all turns out. I'm gonna try and just like keep that um, mental shift where I, I'll have Elaine and Dane is really helpful with this too. He like reminds me when I'm in low spots that like I'm being really brave, just doing this or all of that stuff. So I'll keep right. those. Um, if I can't do it for myself, I'll keep those external voices going too. Bye. Well,
0: and like we talked about last time with grind culture, I think there's so much there's so much unlearning we have to do with the mm-hmm. way that we've been raised um, in the U.S. Um, oftentimes with this perspective of perfectionism and productivity above all else. And so learning to be okay with like failure and just things that aren't immediately successful in a quantifiable way uh, or successful as defined by capitalistic culture um, is hard to unlearn. Um, but you're doing the good work, Katie.
1: So <laughs> Thank you. Some would say I'm a hero and I agree with that. So.
0: I would, (laughs) I would say that.
1: (laughs) Yes. No, Uh, (laughs) obviously I'm being facetious. I don't think I'm a hero. Um, and then the high parts, um, really it's like the everyday, this is the part that I was most looking forward to, um, before we moved was just the everyday life of being here. So like this weekend I think was our, like my favorite weekend yet that we've had here, which is like yesterday. Well, Friday, Dan and I like made soup together and we weathered um, the windstorm, which we should talk about because Erica <laughs> got like stranded in Portugal. Um, but like we made soup at home and we watched uh, movies. And then on Saturday, we walked around um, the city central and we went antique shopping. And then um, we had a nice like dinner and drinks with um, some friends of mine that I knew before I came here. And then today has just been like a really casual day. Um, it's just was just like a really, I don't know. I, I just like walking around and actually existing and living here, which is what I was looking forward to the most. So That's it's awesome. been nice to experience that um, without like trying to take myself out of that mental pressure space mm-hmm. where every other, I think for the first few weeks walking around, I wasn't even able to take in and enjoy everything. So I was just like, freaking out about everything else but I feel like this right. past weekend was the first time where I was like oh like I live here and I actually really like it and it's beautiful and even though it's rainy it's like beautiful here in the rain and if it's a bad weather day like it's I don't know it, it's it's just it's been really nice so
0: well, that's taking awesome. it all in
1: and appreciating the little stuff has been the best part
0: that's awesome
1: Hmm. So yeah was there anything um like okay for me I think I had certain priorities of things I needed to get for my space or like take care of when I first came in the first few weeks that were really important. And I think I went into it assuming that like everyone has the same priorities, but like living with another person, I found out that like Dane's priorities about what is important to get done in the first few weeks was completely different than mine. So like Mm -hmm. for me, I, like my priorities were, getting a a vacuum to clean the house, getting a coffee maker, getting all of our cleaning supplies, getting um, like utensils. I mean, obviously you need utensils to eat, but like we had like wooden utensils, which would have been fine. But those are the types of things where like, if I don't get these, I'm going to freak out. (laughs) Um, And for Dane, his like more important stuff, it was like getting our art up on the walls, getting blankets to be like cozy on our couch. Like those types Uh of things where I'm like, I don't need that to survive. Like it'll be fine. (laughs) But like those were, and D- obviously Dane's, Dane's our little, um, he's like our fact checker guy. Um, so you, you can jump in too, but um, I'd love to hear like what Erica and Elaine, like what were the things that were really important for you guys, like your priorities when you first came?
2: Um So for us, we kind of had the same situation that you mentioned earlier about no sheets, no pillows, nothing on um, the bed when you first showed up. So I remember we got here on like sort of a Friday evening after a very hectic um, wait in border control at Heathrow because the E-gates were down. So it was like four oh. to six hour wait in line. So we, oh. got, we got back to our place a lot later than we thought. So just had to sleep on just the bare bed. So that was our first, like, we need to get sheets. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds like a nightmare. I was just so, like glad that because our so we had a connection in iceland that was close it was tight so i was just so happy (laughs) we made it to london that i was like whatever i'll sit in this random hallway of heathrow till this officer tells me i can enter the immigration line even there's a line to get in the line it was wild
0: um (laughs) i realized that beds are like not that um like you only have just like a sheet in between you and the bed so it's not that different but there's something so disturbing about sleeping directly on the bed especially if it's used because Mm -hmm. I literally lived in an an apartment and I found out afterwards that like my bed was a bed that like a man had died in I think (gasps) (laughs) where was this (laughs) so in New York when I was living in New York I was doing a two-year program where I was teaching at a Krista Ray school and they would provide us housing and pay us, like take that out of our paycheck. Um, But we all live together. All of the people who were in this two-year program, So you were living and working with your coworkers and it was obviously like a religious organization because the schools are religious and we were connected with the Jesuits there because the president of the school was Jesuit. And I believe I, maybe it's like the folklore of the program um, that they like tell the newbie, Oh, you're like, that is a dead person's bed. But they told us that like, basically um, we would get all this old furniture from the Jesuit house when they would like move or renovate or, not need space or whatever and this guy died and then we got his bed i think and i'm like wait did he die in here though like (laughs) (laughs) probably oh my god i also have boxers i wear like three pairs of boxers that are brothers (laughs) i don't know if he died in them but like this donor brought um like old clothing not old clothing it was very nice like well-maintained clothing of their deceased partner and he was a very large man and these are very cozy boxers that I love, but I was like, it's kind of weird that they're like giving these away in some ways, but also like I make the most of them, so I don't think he died in them, guys. I would only re- no,
1: I'm sorry, there are way too many problems with this. One, someone could have died in them. Two, okay, but they are. No, they are someone else's underwear. Okay, okay but they even donate underwear to the goodwill.
0: No, can we no, these are boxers. <laughs> Dane, chime in with me here. <laughs> Aren't boxers different? Do you think they're different?
3: That, no. Uh depends on the guy, really. <laughs> <laughs> I know people that's that's all they would wear.
0: Okay. It's well, not like
1: some it's not like men are wearing tidy whities
0: under their boxers. Like there's no okay, but riddle me this, Katie. You go to a hotel and you use a washcloth. That other people have wiped their butts with, and then they wash them and they're fine. How can you tell me it's so different? Tell me it's different. Oh,
2: oh now I don't even want to use the t- that towels at hotels anymore. Well, aren't the towels usually used at least to wipe people's clean butts? Yeah. Who? How many
1: times do you think he farted or had a near miss no, inside just those saying, boxers? No, you
0: take a washcloth that in your butt is dirty and you put soap on it and then you wash it with that. Oh, I see. You a know what I mean? dirty butt? Do you wash every time you poop? Do you wash your butt? In the water? No, I'm just saying people do it. People like clean all over their body. And then they like, you know, my volt volleyball coach actually brought this topic up when I was on her team when I was like 16 years old. She was like, yeah, like I like a squeaky clean butt. And I was like, that's like a squeaky clean butthole. She said like that phrase and it's burned into my memory for forever. Okay.
1: <sighs> okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: So more on the story is don't use the towels at hotels. Okay, well no, it's not that different. Okay,
1: yes, I and uh, we'll just agree to disagree on this. But <laughs> going back to the mattress thing, I agree that it makes a big difference sleeping on just the bare mattress versus like a like a sheet. Like when we got here, I had ordered. I was lucky enough I had a friend who lived in town who let us order. Um I got some stuff off of Amazon. I got sheets for the bed, a mattress protector, and then two pillows. So mm-hmm. the, and a like a comforter. So at least when Dane and I got there, like we walked the 30 minutes to this woman's house and picked up the stuff and then were able to like have all of that, like the bare minimum ready for that night for when mm-hmm. we fell asleep. <laughs> so we didn't have to sleep on the bare mattress. But mm-hmm. used mattresses are kind of like a Oh, I hate that. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> it creeps me out. I love my, my, bed, my bed being clean. So, Yeah.
0: I try and remind myself of like I am grossed out by certain things like that. And then I'm like, actually, I like sleep in a lot of – I've slept in slept in hotels and hostels. And those are like used beds. So like what's the difference, you know? But right.
1: Every time you say something for the past like 10 minutes, you've just made my life a little bit worse. Because <laughs> now every time I go to the hotel or like say a hostel, I'm going to be thinking – else happened here yeah you will died what what jesuit priest died on this
0: mattress (laughs) (laughs) it's a good question we all need to ask ourselves the tough questions okay but really guys like i think it's okay to wear these boxers i like stand by that
2: yeah i think if you think it's okay then it is okay for you to wear them (laughs) i would not do it myself
0: yeah that's
2: fair (laughs) um and, you know, if you got three pairs of boxers, then really, at best, two of them are good to go. He didn't. He could only die in one. Erica, I
0: was thinking the same equation in my head. I was like, only <laughs> one of these is the bad one. <laughs> There's one. No, also, I'm pretty sure, and this can totally get cut from the podcast because Katie's not even here, but I think people usually like defecate on themselves when they die. So I don't think that they would have given me those ones. I think they would have thrown them away
2: that tracks
0: like you're really gonna clean them to then give them to a school as like a gift of tri- like that doesn't make sense to me you're gonna toss them
2: yeah yeah and also like i feel like i don't know if when you die in the corner comes to get you do they like de-dress you right there and leave the clothes or do they take you as you are you know
0: that's a great question I wonder if you have the option to like ask for the clothing that the person died in. I imagine you do. Um, but I'm no coroner. So,
2: Dane, could you fact check this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Our, I had thoughts about like sleeping on our bed bear when we first got here right but, but luckily hans has this really nice like thin wool blanket um, okay. that we were able to roll up and fit in our suitcase right so we actually did have that one thin wool blanket to sleep on slash with that night and then did the classic you know stuff a t-shirt with other clothes to make a pillow situation oh. crafty yeah Um, But then after that, in terms of like stuff we needed to get, we went right for the food things, all kitchen supplies. And then we wanted, so it was kitchen supplies, like accessory type of furniture, like side tables, um, things like that, lamps, light bulbs. And then we really wanted to get the decorations for our apartment from um, markets in town, which um so that kind of did wait until the following weekend after we had gotten there since we had class and stuff throughout the week um getting to the market was a little bit tougher but so that was a really fun project that's awesome
0: that's so cool i feel like i lucked out in that my apartment was pre-furnished which i had never with artwork yes with artwork (laughs) clearly yeah um I did not know of many pre-furnished apartments in the US I hadn't had much experience with that but it's I feel like it's even more common in Europe I'm not positive of that we can have maybe another fat check um, from Dane <laughs> but um, I think that the thing I really appreciated was I didn't have to think about any of those things I did end up buying like one sharper knife because I was cutting with like a very dull knife um, because my roommate, cooks differently than I do and doesn't use a lot of like hard vegetables. Whereas I love some broccoli, love some things of that nature. Um, But yeah, I think the things that were most important were just getting an apartment. That was the first two weeks were really consumed by getting over (laughs) jet lag, getting an apartment, um, trying to make sure that my friend didn't kick me out of her apartment for squatting there. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And also just getting acclimated and obviously learning French um, and figuring out my routine because you know, my commute to work, I ended up buying a bike, actually. That's kind of a funny story. I um, had gotten locked out of my apartment and I was like, okay, that's like two o'clock. My roommate won't be back from work until like seven. So I was, had been wanting to buy a bike and someone had mentioned this association, like a nonprofit that um, makes, renovates bikes and like refurbishes them to sell so that it's more environmentally friendly and the goal is to have Ren be a more bicyclable city, which it very much is. It's awesome. You can get, like, anywhere on a bike. But anyway, so I, like, walked to this place and found there's, like, one bike left. It's a man's bike. Um, It's orange. <laughs> and it's, like, a street bike with one gear. Like, no, you know, nothing fancy. And it has a little, like, cute saddle bag. And I was, like, all right, this is my bike. And the dude's, like, I was speaking to the man in, like, broken French. And he was using some English words and... I was like, wait, but there's no kickstand. So he just like went and found one and like attached it onto the bike. And I was like, okay, it kind of works. Um, <laughs> so I rode the bike home, but then it obviously was still locked down in my apartment. And it was just like twiddling my thumbs. Um, actually, he had given me his key to copy. He like handed me the key for – because, oh, this was the crazy part. Sorry, guys. He lived in the same building as me when I gave him my address to like – buy the bike because you registered for like you pay five dollars a month to like be a part of their club and you get free bike renovations by paying for this like insurance which is super cool but he was like wait a second you live at this address I live at this address so he like gave me the key to the bike closet for our apartment and I went and made a copy of it and he's like here's my number like call me if you have any issues and ended up coming back giving him his key back um, but then I go back to my apartment and still I'm locked out and, um, fine. And the, the door just wouldn't open. Like I had my key, but I couldn't open the door. And I saw this man walking around. Cause after a while I was like, okay, like I need to get into this apartment. Like I'm going crazy. But like two hours later, my roommate was still not able to come home and help. So I saw this man pushing a baby in a basket and he looked very like fatigued. He was wearing a nice, like, um, sweater with like a collared shirt under it and he was pushing this baby basket. He was like wearing professor glasses. I was like he seems like nice. So I went up to him and I was like <laughs> Bonjour, est-ce que vous parlez anglais? And he said, "Oh, oui, un petit peu." And then he commences to he starts speaking perfect English. I'm, like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is classic European people." So he's like, "Oh yeah, so I was like telling him the situation. He's like, "Oh, I can go up and try and unlock your apartment. Give me your keys." And I was like, but your baby. He's like, wait, which floor do you live on? And I was like, the fourth floor, which means the fifth floor in U.S. terms because they count the first floor as zero. Mm-hmm. So um, he was like, shit. <laughs> so he's like, here, you stay with the baby. Push her back and forth, just like this. <laughs> and I go up and I, I'll open your door. And I was like, you really don't have to leave your newborn baby with me, sir. Like the, I, I don't know if you should do that. And he was like, no, 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 totally fine. So he leaves me with his baby. And I was, like, on the street corner pushing the baby back and forth. But then I also had this moment where I was, like, but he has my keys. So, like, what if he, like, I mean, he's not going to, like, go in and take things. But I was nervous because I was, like, okay, if it was just my apartment and I felt comfortable with this, it's fine. But, like, what if Sandrine doesn't like it? You know, what if she thinks that I'm, like, irresponsible because of all this, whatever. So he, like, ends up breaking the door down for me. Thank God. It was like, he did all the things he needed to do. He, like, explained it in precise English how he did it. And I was like, you're very impressive. And he came back down and he's like, all right, have such a great day. And, like, I gave him back his baby. And he went along with his life. But I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. Like, he just left me with his child. Like, what? Would you ever do that? Would you ever, like, leave your child with some stranger who's, like, foreign and doesn't know what they're doing? Um, I'd probably leave my baby with, like, a someone who looked like you.
2: yeah that's what i was like Like a nice young young lady (laughs) that lives in my building it's like where's she gonna go i know where she lives
1: right would i leave it with some strange
0: man no but you seem nice yeah Yeah. i would trust me i think that there is that like privilege of being like a young woman um and probably an american too like i don't know maybe their assumption would be like oh yeah like you wouldn't do anything, but I would assume if someone else, maybe with a different background, was in that situation, maybe they wouldn't have had the same reception. But
2: <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of I don't know if you guys have seen this, and Katie, maybe you really saw it when you were in Norway, but um, Scandinavian families just in the winter bundle their babies up in strollers and leave them outside of restaurants or establishments while they go in to eat. They just like legitimately leave them outside. Um, it's very interesting thing we've we've seen this one Norwegian couple that lives in our neighborhood just leave their baby outside of the coffee shops and they go into work <laughs> um, <laughs> just leave it in, in its pram um, and so Hans and I of course did some research and a, apparently a handful of like Norwegian parents have been arrested in the United States for doing that same practice because it's like child endangering and abandonment in the United States but it's like very common practice there it's just wow very I... funny
1: I never saw that in Norway, but I've, like, heard that same thing, especially, I think, in, like, Iceland. People do that all the time. they like, leave their baby outside to take a nap.
0: <laughs> I guess, like, if the sun isn't going to, like, blind them or burn them and it's not raining and there's no dangerous animals that are going to come. But I get nervous. Like, think about a baby taking a nap. Like, a, if a hawk came by, that's like a rabbit. You know what I mean? That sounds horrible, but, like, it's possible. <laughs>
2: I, okay that's true
0: i
1: have like has that ever happened like ever has a have hawk taken a baby Back check, please. <laughs> usually they, they
2: do i if a hawk on.
3: to pick up a baby yeah yeah I'm sure it easily before. could i just don't know where you're living that has such a <laughs> hawk population that's so large
2: also i know that in norway <laughs> it's, it's a great like a winter thing so i don't know like will the hawk have like gone south or do they hang out up there in the winter wow we work. I was
0: in, I in the summer. The I've questions. never oh, seen yeah. it. Can we pause and take these answers for a little bit? <laughs> sure, yeah. Okay.
3: Oh. We can go all the way back to what happens uh, when you die. <laughs> this is a write-up from a <laughs> medical, medical legal uh, death investigator in the United States. So this is United States-focused about what happens when you die. Um, really matters on how you die. If there's okay. anything that could be involved with the police, homicide, any sort of implication then there's a very big process of what's evidence what's not evidence there's a thorough uh, you know breakdown even you know even if there's you know a poop covered underwear like, that's right toxicological report or something mm. um so that's a big breakdown uh, but if it's you know just an old priest dying probably not a murderer so okay. this probably more boring um then everything is released to the funeral home right from the the uh you know, whoever, whoever picks him up at the hospital takes him like hey, he's good to go. Uh, then the funeral home will do, will will do what they got to do, and they probably have a sort of um, you know embalm and cleaning of the body thing, uh, and then they'll release it to the family, whatever the will is. So nothing's getting burned or tossed. Um, that they, yeah, they'll, okay. they'll just clean it if they are if they if there's no evidence. So that okay. makes sense. And then on the furnished unfurnished thing, um, really, in the United States. Obviously, country's enormous. Um, and a whole lot of different geographical variation, um, you know, in places kind of where we're from the Midwest, more common to come unfurnished because it's a pretty slow housing market. Um, so most people and furniture is pretty, pretty easy to transport or come by. Um, but then you'll have like New York or San Francisco um, where it's just like almost impossible to move furniture around. It's probably even more expensive than like, like to for the people who like the landlord to deal with like a couch like a seven story New York apartment. Like they're not dealing with that, you know? So much work. So it's more likely to stay. Um, and then it's much more. And then in the Netherlands, I guess I couldn't find a whole breakdown in the UK. It seems pretty similar to kind of like a, you know, London versus Birmingham kind of situation uh, I don't know if it's going to be uh, furnished or not. But in the Netherlands, there's actually three specific legal um, states that can come and can become unfurnished, semi furnished, or furnished. Um, and unfurnished in the Netherlands means there's no flooring there are no lights there is there's nothing there's no appliance it is like a, just not even a built house
1: yeah when i was looking for apartments there were some that it was just like a concrete box and it was wow. like unfurnished i was like there's no floor here
2: <laughs> yep
1: B- byof bring your own flooring yeah, wow. that
3: that's that's what def- that's designated as unfurnished in the Netherlands. and that's so most people what we would know in the united states most Dutch apartments are either furnished or semi-furnished. Furnished would furnished be obviously you have know, the couch and appliances. Semi-furnished would be, you know, you have your flooring and the lights are installed. Um, but yeah, you don't, maybe you don't have any furniture or appliances. Got it. You it's know. interesting
0: you say that, Dana, about like New York apartments, because I have the impression that like, I have a lot of friends who have moved in and out of New York and they've just had to like, you know, lug up tons of shit into their apartments so i don't know why i don't have friends who maybe people snatch them up more quickly in new york or um things like that but and they're probably more expensive um in that you know you don't have to provide these other things so maybe it was like out of the budget of people who were just graduating from college but hmm. wait and then what was the last fact checker thing
3: i'm looking at hawks migrate really depends on what hawk it is (laughs) <laughs> a lot of different kinds of hawks. And uh, the United States or you know North America, there's a specific uh migration <laughs> system for the hawks because it's so cold. Right. You know, in Canada, um uh, you know, in like Minnesota, Maine and stuff like that. Um, I'm looking into Norwegian hawks. There's all um, so to get back to.
1: There's a beautiful well, Oh, go ahead, Katie. No, I I care less about the migration patterns and more about the baby-snatching statistics.
3: Uh, Let him okay. do
1: his work as he wishes. <laughs> Please, Katie, can we not micromanage? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to bring in a, um, a marital s- squabble into, yeah. the,
0: into the podcast, but here we are. <laughs> We're saving it for another episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I read a book called The Peregrine, which was this man who supposedly spent like years watching peregrines just like do their thing migrate eat kill fly and then he wrote this extremely condensed like field journal that was supposedly only took place over like one year Um, and he's just like it's super beautiful and kind of crazy and it's like a cult book. like people die and they like get buried with this book under their arm like instead of the Bible. People who love it are like obsessed with it. Um, so that makes me think of it. So if any of you hawk lovers out there are looking for a recommendation, this book is super and he basically like compares the experience of watching the Peregrine to like an ecstatic, sublime experience. and it's like almost religious. He, like, watches the peregrines, like, kill and attack. And he's just, like, super enrapt- like enraptured by it.
1: And um, how many babies did he see get
0: eaten? Five. <laughs> <laughs> no. But they're huge animals, Katie. Like, really big. I they know what up- a hawk looks like. Do you? <laughs> okay. So, back to our important conversations about podcast life abroad. Uh, yes. Okay. I think... Um, so really we're... quick
3: speaking, there's a very famous, actually, uh, documented tale of a uh, eagle. So not a hawk, but, you know, <laughs> bird of prey. Of the hawk, yeah, definitely a bird of prey. It was a, uh, uh, a white-tailed eagle, so a normally sea-hunting uh, eagle. And, yes, document 1932, June 5th, Svanhild Janssen, a four-year-old girl, um, was taken and killed by an eagle.
2: Four, four years, years old? old?
3: Yeah, four years old, yeah.
0: Guys, oh, no, I'm here survived, to spread.
1: She was five.
3: She's four, but the kid survived.
1: Wow. Oh. Okay, the so eagle see it maybe it'll survive. They pick
3: up big things. They'll pick them up and then drop them for them to <gasps> die. There are awesome videos of eagles. Like a big, you know, uh bald eagles and like you have somebody picking up deer, baby deer, and just dropping them like hundred feet and then feasting on them after they die. Um so this bird tried to do this to this four year old girl, dropped the girl fifty feet. Girl survived though.
0: Wow, Dane, we're gonna have to save niche hawk drop videos for another episode. But can we for sure like put a bookmark in that, like put a pin in it for later? Oh, I have
3: great links. I've seen a bunch. Yeah, send
0: them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He don't worry. He's seen a lot,
1: Elaine. Yeah. You don't get him started on hawks. He can't can't stop.
0: The thing is eagles. Eagles. (laughs) The thing is that I am. I like have this thing where I always think I'm right about everything. So I am going <laughs> to abuse the relationship with um, having a fact checker and be like, Dane, back me up here.
3: <laughs> I don't beg anybody up. I expect yeah. facts.
0: He backs up the facts. Okay. That's, That's what you want in a
2: fact checker. Okay.
0: So ladies, is there anything you would have done differently?
2: Um, I can jump in. So I guess one thing that I would tell myself, I think when I first got here, especially when I was, meeting new people, trying to create a social circle. I was sort of like afraid to be sort of the first one to reach out. Hey, do you want to go hang out? Hey, do you want to do this? Um, And I kind of kept to myself a little bit more than I think that I should have. Um, So just reaching out and trying to forge those connections, especially with new types of people you might not be able to meet back at home um, is really important, particularly in those first couple of weeks and months. Right. That's a good one. That is a good one. And when does your program end, Erica? Um, so my program ends in on July 31st.
0: Okay. So yours is like start and finish pretty quick, like
2: under a year definitive. Yep. Yeah, it's start and finish really quick. And so there's two tracks I can take at the end of my master's program. One is the dissertation track. Um, which is what's recommended if you're trying to go into like further academia or like mostly academia, really. Um, And then the other track was sort of an elective track where I can take like Python AI learning type things, which is much more applicable to me because I really like numbers. And it also gives me the chance to do an international elective. So I'll be in Bologna, Italy for a couple of weeks. Oh Ooh. wow. Um so that's so I chose to go that way, which is why I end on July 31st as opposed to dissertation people that end on September first. Okay,
1: cool. That's awesome. That'll be so fun. Yes, yeah, so I'm very excited. <laughs> So well, will will Hans come like is not that Hans isn't a guest, but I am interested to know. Like what is he gonna do then that's like how is um is yeah. he gonna do during that time?
2: Yeah, so he will be just writing his dissertation during that time and will be done with formal classes, which is nice because my this international elective, they don't provide accommodation for us. We do book it and get it ourselves. So yeah, he's gonna come with because you know why not? Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is will be really fun and it's a really nice like central ish location in italy like close to florence and venice and milan and one of the largest train stations in italy is in bologna so i'm really excited for it that's
0: awesome dana and i can't wait to get our invite to come visit
2: come come whenever (laughs) come through (laughs)
0: come whenever during the two weeks that we're there (laughs) yeah exactly.
2: Or, yeah, and if you want to come towards the end, maybe we could, like, road trip back up to you guys and drop you off. Oh, that would be actually really fun.
1: Okay, we should do that.
0: <laughs> Thanks for the invite, ladies. Okay. So <laughs> what would <laughs> we do? Like, no. You actually are explicitly not invited. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. okay i've got lots of fun things i'm doing um okay so she she couldn't come anyway actually she's like really busy i'm super busy (laughs) like definitely the days that you didn't name i know already that i'm busy don't even have to tell me (laughs) i'm gonna find something to do (laughs) okay kathleen um
1: the things i would have done differently i feel like i've already like touched on it but just like be easier on like be easier on myself you know Mm. Um, I think that since I'm in this place of like not having a regular job, it's hard for me to uh, let myself relax where it's like, I don't feel like I've earned that relaxation or like earned downtime. And so when I do have downtime, I'm actively like trying to like on the weekends, actually that'd be a weekend rather than continuing to work on stuff. Cause I like, know I can. Um, so I would just say, yeah, like if I could do anything easier said than done, but like, if I could do anything differently, it'd just be like, go easy on yourself. Cause it's going to be fine. It's going to work out. Um, it's just going to be different than what you're used to.
0: Yeah. I think that's great advice. I think a great, like not just advice, but a great reflection point. Yeah. I think for me, I would similarly like let go of some of the stress that I was carrying. So even though I said that there weren't really lows, um, huge lows during my first few weeks, I would say there was this constant, like Wheel running in my head of okay, but are you learning French quick enough? Okay, are mm-hmm. you figuring out what you're going to do next? Like, what's the plan? You need to have the next step ready and um have things have your mind made up. And my friend Brian was just like, Elaine, you literally just got there. Even after you know going home for Christmas and coming back in January, it only been a few months." And I think I finally let go of like putting that pressure on myself because I did see progress in my French. I did feel like okay maybe I don't know exactly what kind of work I would want to do after my time in Europe is done but I have more data points and I'm having this great experience and building these language skills among other things so I said I think just being more gentle in myself too and trying to release some of that unnecessary pressure that's hyper unproductive um yeah Yeah,
1: oh go ahead no, no. I was just gonna say I was gonna agree with everything you said. Where it's like, yeah, I think people who are typically um, super productive or like classically defined like high performers in life, it's really hard. So um, proud of you for keeping keeping going and being easy on yourself.
0: Well, Thanks. and I, oh, go ahead, Erica.
2: Jump I was just in. gonna say that for me with like the productivity and you know different stressors about like, oh, am I gonna be able to find a job? Like, what am I gonna do when my program ends? Like all these different um things running through your mind it's like for me it's how can I have that wheel going and also like not be super grateful that I like have the privilege to live in Europe and like do all these things I just feel like like almost like I'm not allowed to be stressed like Mm, what I'm not supposed to be stressed I live in London like that's so cool like why am I being hard on myself or why am I having a hard time it's like a hard thing to realize that like well not everything can be perfect all the time and just kind of go in and out of every day. And there's always things to be grateful for, but that doesn't mean there's not things to worry about. And right.
1: Yeah. Just because you're living like a unique experience and you are in Europe and it's really cool. I guess technically not in the EU anymore. Thanks for it. Still in (laughs) Europe, just
2: (laughs) not (laughs) (laughs) anti-union. But like you have to
1: um, take a moment and accept that, even though you're in this um, different experience, you are still a human. You have to like live your everyday life like you would if you yeah. were anywhere else. Because if you don't, you're just not going to be able to like regulate yourself.
0: Right, mm-hmm. right. It's true. Mm. Yeah. Any big piece of advice? I guess that's kind of the same thing as like what you would have done differently. But maybe well, piece if of it, advice? If you
1: did some stuff that you liked and you thought it went well, mm. advice that you would pass on to other people.
0: Okay, Kathleen, what is it? um what did you do well miss productivity
1: (laughs) yeah no um i would say something that i learned from not doing well in dc when i first moved um was when i was buying stuff for the apartment to like make it homey i bought almost like everything new and then i started to realize that um facebook marketplace is the spot for expensive like typically expensive stuff so like we got our um like our full length mirror, which can be like those types of things can be expensive new and our vacuum and our Nespresso machine and, the, and our dishwasher. We got them all off of Facebook Marketplace. And so they're like gently used, but they're just as good as, you know, anything else. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say. Like use Facebook Marketplace to get um, the things that would be expensive firsthand. And then don't be afraid to splurge on the things that you need or are important to making you feel at home. So I didn't splurge on my blender, but I did buy a blender new because I use something about a used blender grosses me out because it's like what's in the gears or whatever. Mm. So I got a blender because <laughs> it's that's like my um go-to breakfast is like a a spinach smoothie and so Mm -hmm. that really helped me feel like I was getting back to normal when I like first got my blender and made my first banana spinach yogurt smoothie I was like okay life is starting to feel normal and then we got an air fryer um which are expensive but we got it on sale and it's made a big difference on like How we prepare food and stuff like that. Um, So that was like a little bit of a splurge, but it was important. So, right. Splurge on the things that you need to, but if you can, Facebook Marketplace is great for getting other stuff.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think it's hard. I have heard some other people who do this program talk about, you know, the impact on sustainability of having hundreds of people from the US, maybe thousands, I don't know the actual numbers, but come to France start consuming things, buy things that they're going to use for a short period. And then what do they do with like their blender? What do they do with their air fryer afterwards? And so I think it's like I came in with trying to keep a balanced approach. Like you're saying of get the things. Don't be like, I can't get anything while I'm here. I can't consume mm-hmm. anything because, you know, for, for example, I bought an espresso machine that was on sale um, at the Nespresso store and the pods are recyclable and I'm not using, um, I'm not then going to a cafe, getting a takeout coffee, um, using a cup, even though single use plastics, um, I think are for the most part banned or in the process of being, um, banned completely for like, you can't, you go to a Starbucks and you can't get a plastic cup for a cold drink. They give you like the cup you would get for a hot drink and then a plat. it, it has some plastic in it, I think, but it's not like technically single use plastic, um, but the lid is like a paper lid too Mm. and do you see that everywhere with like coffees and stuff in France um I have actually been given a plastic lid before but mostly it's like all wooden or paper products but how do you feel about paper straws (laughs) divisive uh,
1: question Erica
0: (laughs) well I feel bad for the gluten intolerant who can't use them because I've heard I've heard okay this is Dane, where's our fact checker? That I... wasn't
2: the take I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, that you <laughs> got left field. I thought you were gonna be like soggy,
1: thumbs down. You're like, listen, for all those people, <laughs> well, the gl- I think that celiacs.
0: They're... I'm so sorry. I think this the bonding agent is made with gluten, but I'm actually not positive. Someone told me this. So, according to the that National,
3: stuff? the U.S. National Celiac Association, there is no evidence of gluten in paper straws.
0: Thank you so much. We I don't want any fake news on this podcast. So yeah, Elaine, um, you
1: almost were a spreader of fake news. I know. Maybe
0: you were thinking about the pasta straws that
1: some places use.
3: Yeah, National Sea Life Association recommends any straw made from plastic, bamboo, stainless steel, silica, or glass. But doesn't recommend everything.
1: paper. What about paper?
3: Oh, there's oh yes, and then. It, it goes further below. Paper straws, um, as long as they contain no wheat starch, which okay. very, very few do, um, oh, it but... would they, be a very fancy paper straw to contain that. They are good to go.
0: Okay. So but some so... of them do. Some do. Some of them do. If anywhere's but got those fancy, fancy paper ones. straws, it might be France. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> They're kind of fancy here. But Okay. So I'm not completely spreading fake news, but it's a little bit fakey news. <laughs> but um, don't like paper straws. I'm I don't like straws in general because I I maybe like believe this like 1950s house housewives thing of like don't use straws because then it makes your mouth like get wrinkles around it and like your lips shrink like I don't think Kylie Jenner this also needs to be fact checked I'm just like spreading so many like wives sales dang but, find
1: out if Kylie Jenner uses straws but I've heard straws are better for your teeth
0: yeah I'm sure they are but I think it's like a give and take because if you're doing this all the time I'm making like a Kylie Jenner uses
3: straws. She actually has her whole uh, custom brand of crazy straws that she enjoys to use.
0: No way. Uh, they're curly and twisty. Wow, Elaine. What? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what website
0: <What is> <laughs> are you using, Dane? I need. To... Oh, this is
3: Bravo. This is Bravo. So Bravo, got I the
1: details. So Andy Cohen would never lie to me. Okay, uh, but do you straws. Uh, str-
3: Kylie was at Stormy's birthday bash. And she was seen um, having her own custom one meter long uh, crazy straw. Wow.
0: Okay, but I'm reading. Um, Something that says, regular straw drinking causes you to purse your lips repeatedly. Contracting the muscles over and over again can break down the collagen over time. This can lead to fine lines which later tune into deep wrinkles. You don't necessarily have to avoid straws to avoid or prevent wrinkles. Okay, well, this is mixed mixed reviews. Yeah, I just wonder how smiling, often,
2: Yeah, right? is, how is regular straws?
0: Okay, yeah, but...
1: I just I'm didn't... not going to live my life worrying about wrinkles on my lips, so...
0: I know I'm telling you, I'm a 1950s housewife, but. <laughs> okay, well, if for anybody who's worried about that, that can be
1: awesome. It's I guess it could happen.
0: But long story short, my advice is try and make sustainable choices and have an exit plan for your things if you are staying for a shorter time um, and try and be as responsible as possible while also, as Katie said, getting things that make your life feel more normal. Um, I also think my piece of advice is to allow your international experience to have, um, to push you maybe to reevaluate the way you live. So not trying to recreate the way that you lived in the U.S. in a different country um, and just maybe embrace some differences and try to like I'm lucky in that I live with a person who lives in France and of course there's no single French experience but to try and kind of adapt to whatever wherever you're at to a certain degree while also not like I don't know if the word would be like fetishizing the experience being like (laughs) I must do what French people do or I must live as the Nordics live um
1: Elaine, if this is about my blender, I'll have you know, I tried eating the traditional Danish breakfast of chocolate sprinkles on white bread, and it wasn't doing the same
0: thing for me as my no. spinach and banana and yogurt smoothie. No, it's a balance. <laughs> when I was in Spain, I was like, there was this mentality that some people in our abroad group had that was like, you're going to eat a slice of pizza when you're in Spain and you could have jamon iberico. like, what? <laughs> I was like, all right, let's cool it down, guys. But... But then you don't want to, like, come and be like, oh, I must have, like, this type of pot that I bought on Instagram that's, like, a very American lo- – mm-hmm. I mean, people love this in the U.S. and I must have it. So, I think it's just a balance.
2: Yeah, I agree. We've been drinking more tea than we have in the past. <gasps> oh. Um, naturally. Um, Not that we, like, sit down at 2 p.m. every day and have an English afternoon or anything like that. <laughs> but <laughs> definitely drink tea here more than – normal which is which is really fun we haven't really splurged on a teapot yet which is kind of a qualm that i have because right now we're just still making it in like a you know you classic like a macaroni pot with water in it on the stove <laughs> and then pouring it which works just fine yeah we're just i think it would be nice to have a kettle yeah. i bet
1: you could find a kettle on facebook marketplace we found a kettle um in a box outside of an apartment and we just that was free we took it it was pretty dirty but we spent a good three days cleaning it and we use it now
0: I just find it so interesting now pull it back to- <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I knew the underwear the boxers and the kettle are not the, the same <laughs> okay but like you could make the argument that like well maybe someone like shit in this kettle <laughs> <laughs> I, like like on, I like my odds I like my
1: odds on a kettle, which is literally only used to boil water and then take water out of it.
0: Okay, but, like, what if someone boils their period cup in that or something? Like, that's something people do.
2: Oh you should do that, yeah, if you use one. It's how you clean them.
1: That's how you clean yeah, them. Yeah, but you put them, you don't boil them inside your kettle. But I'm just saying it's
2: possible. Okay, we, when yes. What technically, I'm Elaine,
1: out- it is possible. But I think that my chances are better than wearing some old dude's boxers.
0: All I'm saying is I'm trying to point out the absurdity of like a lot of things that I do too, where I'm like, Oh, I'm nervous. This is dirty. And I'm like, you sit in the subway all day, you know, every day. <laughs> and then you sit on your bed and like, you have subway juices on your bed. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> like,
1: that's gross. Ew, subway, subway juice juices. It. You're right. Okay. I understand a minor bit of hypocrisy, finding my
0: trash uh, kettle, no, but I'm supportive of it. It's not that I'm trying to discourage you. I think we should try and like, push our boundaries and like you reuse and repurpose and not like Mm. be too freaked out because at the end of the day like I read an article about um wearing shoes in the house and the it was in I think the New Yorker and there was an argument about like well that tracks in all the gross stuff from the street but they had like referenced a doctor that they spoke to who basically said like you have fecal matter all over the place in the world and like there's probably fecal matter in your house that you wouldn't think is there uh, and especially if you have a young child, like there's little bits of fecal matter, potentially.
1: I read this same article. Did you send it to me?
0: Pro- I think I did. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. I didn't send it to you. I okay. The well, park. then
1: I read the exact same article and it made me so angry because Why? the author of the article essentially was like, you tell me to take off my shoes and I enter your house. No, thanks. I'm keeping them on. It's like, okay, lady, like you're going into someone's home. Just listen to what yeah. they ask you to do.
0: Yeah. I feel like the tone of that article. I'm sure all of our listeners have read this very specific article that we're <laughs> referencing that everyone knows about. But um, I'm I feel like the article hit like a little bit between like onion vibes of like trying to be funny and like a little overly being jokey. Like, yeah, I'm not taking off my shoes um, in your house, or not the onion, but you know what I mean. Like a little mm-hmm. dramatic, but to prove a point, maybe be intriguing, you know, a little clickbaity, but.
1: Mm. Uh... I still, we're a no-shoes household. We, we have able- guests, we don't tell them to take off our shoes, but Dean and I have house slippers that we wear. But yeah. our place is so small, and we don't have um, rugs yet, so if there's, like, dirt anywhere, it's going to get, like, you're going to feel it all over your feet, so, right. yeah. yeah. But, yeah. What if, I, <laughs> any, anything else that we want to end on, or do we want to end on the on Feetal the shoes matter. in the house argument?
3: I was actually going to make one note kind of on Elaine's thing about like maybe uh, what's like the good thing to do, like right when you get there. It's advice I would have given myself. I'm like, figure out the local uh, trash recycling um, laws and recommendations and where you're moving. Um, I'm actually compared to the US, where everybody, you know, normally lives in a house or has a big dumpster attached to their apartment building. It's very easy just to dispose of all your things in a very wasteful way. You just just dump it, Um, especially in Europe. And I definitely know in Asia, um, they are all in on very rigorous and sorting your trash. Um, I know in the Netherlands they have paper, um, two different kinds of glass brown and green, and then white is, are separate. Uh, and your paper, and then your normal trash, it's all separate, as well as textiles, um, which is totally new compared to the US. And then I don't know, not talk about Japan, but maybe our, my brother will be a guest um, later. But he he has literally every single citizen gets a per day this is what comes for this trash at what time. And it's like 20 different categories of trash. Wow! Um, And that's, so it's just like, that. that's a really good thing to figure out right when you move. And some advice I would give myself because you can't just like say, Oh, I moved here and I have all this, you know, moving trash. I'm just going to dump it in this dumpster. Like that's not an option. A lot of places you move. So right. Good to to figure that out as soon as possible.
1: Yeah. We had to figure out, we figured out that we have to, the, um, the train system here, you can get a personalized train card, like, with your picture on it, um, and it's called the OV chip cart, mm-hmm. and you have to use that card to open some of the, like, trash disposal, um, like, cans that because it's like an underground network so like you open it and then there's like this huge tunnel that you just like throw all of your stuff into but in order to open it you're required to scan your train card to get into it so
0: wow that's really interesting
1: it is interesting
0: um wow i this might be a topic for another day but one of my friends olivia um who also lives in france right now we were just speaking about how it feels sometimes like in Europe, it's easier to be more environmentally conscious or just like more morally good, which might sound like dramatic um, and is something to definitely unpack. But I think it's an interesting question because, for example, where my boyfriend's family live in the US, there's no recycling pickup anymore that used to have it. But the city, for whatever reason, doesn't have it anymore. And every time I go there, I think about how like there are ways in which systems can make it easier or worse or harder Mm -hmm. to do like the moral thing for the environment and otherwise. Um, So I think that'd be an interesting conversation topic for us at some point. Well, I feel like that touches on
1: The more socialist, and I feel like that's such a trigger word for a lot of people, but like the more socialist
0: ideas. I would have to put a trigger warning on this, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) Discussion of socialism. Trigger warning, trigger warning socialism of (laughs) Europe,
1: where you are expected to act in a way that is more beneficial to society. So I don't know if this is something that we have to look into it that is like about society or it's specifically something with our landlord, but our hot water and Radiator turns off after 11 and doesn't turn on again until 8 a.m. Really? If you take a hot shower at 1130, it will run out and it will be cold and it won't like be hot again until 8 a.m. I don't know if that's like just us or like a, a regulation thing, but it definitely keeps us from overusing hot water and our radiators all night when we like have the windows open and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, maybe the topic could be inconveniences, um, conversional inconveniences. Like yeah. <laughs> things that we see as inconveniences at first, but actually like end up being something where you're like, wow, I'm really kind of glad that this like is this way, or that you're totally not and you're like, screw this.
1: You're like, I am losing my rights. <laughs> yes, I'm losing my
0: liberties.
2: <laughs> it makes me think back to transit too. Like public transit in almost every European city is like pretty easy and widely available and trains are so popular and for the most part straightforward whereas I don't know without getting on a plane and if you don't have a car even getting from like Minneapolis to Chicago it uh that would be tough maybe like a a bus sure Mm -hmm. but in terms of like high speed train activity non-existent great
1: I had so much fun today thank you so much Erica (laughs) for joining us it was fun having um other people like in the podcast with
2: us, yeah. Again, so happy to be here. It was very fun change up to my Monday and Sunday afternoons. So there you go.
1: And we can't wait to have you back. Well, um, when we have like different topics that we think would be fun to like get the um, UK perspective or just like have you back on to do general <laughs> topics, we'll let you know. It'll be super fun. Yeah, and Katie will see great. you.
0: Katie will see you in Italy. I won't, but have fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But, Erica, we should plan a trip to Wren and just not see Elaine.
2: Oh, word. Okay, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks, guys. This has been so fun. And thanks, Dane, for for the fact-checking. And, And oh, we
1: did have – so I put out a poll on the Spotify asking if people would be interested um, in a segment where people send in questions and, like, about, like, either advice for stuff or questions about our life here. And um, the response rate was – 76% 76% yes. Um, and the rest, no. And that is because I accidentally took the poll and pressed no. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> I think the only
1: no vote was mine.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, someone can crunch the numbers and figure out how many people voted. I think only it was only like
1: six. But <laughs> if any of those people or anyone listening now um, has like a question they'd like to submit, you can send it to our email Your where pod at gmail.com.
0: And if we get any questions, we'd be happy to answer them
1: um during the podcast next week. It'd be fun.
0: Maybe we can also put out um an Instagram poll of like any questions for us to answer on a podcast. Oh yeah.
1: I think there's a free response on the or on Instagram or on Spotify. Yeah. And if you liked listening today, thanks you to everybody who listened. I think we have up to like 80 listeners now, which is really exciting. um, that feels really crazy because last week I was like itching for us to get 20 before I was like, I can't post it on Instagram until at least 20 people. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's so exciting. And if you liked it, please, um, give us five stars on whatever, um, like thing you're using because then that helps the podcast, like get, um, promoted to like recommended for you pages and stuff like that. So go ahead and give us five stars. And if you didn't like it, keep it to yourself. Yeah, right. don't listen. <laughs> don't
0: say anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been a wonderful episode of.
2: You're, You're moving, moving where?
0: <laughs> Talk to you guys later. Bye. 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 Bye.